Good morning, my name is Josh Friesen and I'm one of the volunteer hosts here at Faithbrook. Whether you're joining us in person or online, we're so thankful and excited you've joined us for worship today. At Faithbrook, we don't want anyone to feel like just a number. So if you're newer here in the seat in front of you, there's a blue connect card. Please consider filling it out and dropping it off in the giving boxes on the way out. We'd love to get to know you a little bit better. Or if you wanna do it online, you can do so at faithbrook.church connect. At Faithbrook, we love God, love people, and journey together. And this weekend, we have a great opportunity to love people throughout the world by volunteering at Feed My Starving Children. This is a great event for people of all ages, and our outreach team here has reserved two spots, one in the evening of Friday, February 24th, and for those morning people, Saturday, February 25th. This week is the last week to sign up, so if you'd like to get involved, head on over to our website or the Church Center app, click on Events, and you can get registered right there. We look forward to packing meals with you and seeing you there. Well, in just a moment, we're going to welcome our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we begin our new series, Taking Care of Business. BTO, right? How about that? 1963, Bachman and Turner introduced this song, Taking Care of Business, and it captured the nation. Many of you old timers like me, you know what that song is, right? Taking care of business and working overtime, right? How many of you have been working overtime, taking care of business? We're all taking care of business. It's really a memorable phrase of that song. And we're using that phrase for this four-week uh, series named Taking Care of Business. But it wasn't inspired by BTO. No, it was inspired by the words of Christ. In Luke 4, it shares that his parents kind of lost track of Jesus, and he was down at the local synagogue um, taking care of God's business. And so when they confronted him, where have you been? He said to them, didn't you know that I had to be about my father's business? taking care of God's business. So this series, we're going to be talking about how to live in God's business, not just so much our business. Now, if you're not a, a convinced uh, Jesus follower, that's okay. I believe in this series, there's going to be some things that can help you in your, your life, some benefits. So hopefully you continue to watch or attend uh, as we just walk through this series, taking care of business. Well, what is your business? Can you think about some business that you need to take care of, that maybe you are working over time? You're thinking, yeah, part of my business is taking care of my kids, right? And I am working over time, and they take a lot of maintenance. Uh, part of my business maybe might be some responsibilities at your home. There's a lot of business going on. Some of you might have your own business, and that's consuming, taking care of that business. If you think about that, what is your business that you have to take care of? Some might think, well, I got to take care of my body, right? That, that, that's important. I have to take care of my soul, right? Connecting with Christ, that's important. Sometimes we think about marriage. We might even think about money, taking care of our business. 
But do you think God cares about your business? And do we care about his business? So one of the first topics we're going to start, kick off this series with, was the business of work, literal business, occupations and labor. When's the last time you heard a message about work or labor out there? Uh, Did you know in your adult life about one-third of your hours are spent at your occupation, at your labor, or wherever you're working at? Some of you are just like, yeah, I know. I'm thinking about work right now. So hurry up, Pastor. Let's get this sermon done. I got business to take care of, right? But when you bring up the the concept of work, uh, some of you might be moaning. You're like, oh, don't remind me, man. My work is such a drag. Uh, There's all kinds of problems. Some of you might think, you know, I, I got a pretty good job. I'm, I'm kind of fulfilled at it. I think I've found my niche. So people are, are all, all over the place when it comes to actual work. But how should we view the business of work? Is it only just to provide funds so that one day we'll retire or just enough funds to survive? Is there any spiritual value in laboring, in working? Well, one of the first concepts I want to offer you is that I believe that work is from God. If you get into the scriptures, you'll find that there's a lot of references to working and laboring. All the way back to the first and second chapters of the whole Bible, Genesis, we see in chapter 2 of Genesis that God uh, said to man, I want you to rule over the land. I want you to um, kind of dominate it. It's your responsibility. We see in verse 15 of chapter 2, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to do what? To work it and take care of it. This is going to be your responsibility. You need to show up and take care of this nature this, this garden that I've given you. Now, before the fall, it was pretty easy. And then it's going to get a lot harder, don't we know it, after the fall of sin that was introduced to the human race. But he called Adam and Eve, to, hey, I want you to take care of this, get to, get to work, do something with it. And one of the occupations that we see in the, in the, first, the second chapter of Genesis is that he needed to name the animals, okay? Can you imagine having that responsibility, right? We have all these kind of creatures walking around, and it's like, hey, we, we got to start naming them, right? And uh, I don't know, that, that weird-looking thing, let's, let's, let's go with monkey, okay? Yeah, we'll call him monkey, right? And she's like, well, that one's got a white stripe across the thing. Uh, how about skunk? And she's like, okay, let's go with skunk, right? And, and that one right there, it, it likes to sniff uh, ants. I'll just call it anteater. Let's go with anteater, right? That's good, right? Uh, I'm sure it was uh, compelling and interesting to name the animals. But they were put to work. God asked them to, to manage it. And from the very beginning, a man was, was called upon to create from nature, to take the raw materials, the garden, the wood, the dirt, the stone, and start creating. And from that beginning, God, man started using their developing skills to create. Can you imagine the first time someone invented fire? Uh, how, what a revolutionary element that was from cook to heat to know how to tie knots and, and make shelters and to maybe start crafting uh, weapons to knives, to spear, to, to hunt. It all started working together as man started laboring and going forward. Now, fast forward to the New Testament. There's many of references to work. We see even God worked. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his 
workmanship. That, that uh, word means craftsmanship, right? Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared beforehand. To do good deeds, right? Then this, this, we're called upon to do anything from like opening a door for someone, that would be a good deed to uh, maybe researching to, to invent some kind of cure for a disease or, or just maybe how to engineer a, a power station for people to, to stay warm. All these intriguing occupations that God designed us to work because work was from God. Uh, also, work is not only from God, but work can be a blessing. Do you believe that? Work can be a blessing? I saw an article from Psychology Today that psychologists were discovering that, hey, there's some benefit in working. Then they named five benefits of going to work and working every day, taking care of business. Uh, one was the obviously, right? It provides funds. Anybody like little funds out there? Like a little paycheck, right? And because you have paycheck, you can feed your family, put some ga- gas in the car. You, you, hopefully you have some kind of shelter, a house. But the truth of the matter is, uh, the more money we make, we... we have the opportunity to have a little bit of pleasures, right? We might have a, a better little house or something more comfortable or maybe to take a, a vacation. And, and we see the benefit, hey, of working, of providing. Um, and God meant this for us to have that pleasure, that, that blessing, if you will. I like what J.G. Holland said, God gives every bird its food, but he does not throw it into the nest. That's so true, right? God does provide, just like he provides for you, but he's just not going to say, hey, sit there in your nest, and then I'm just going to pour it in. No, you got to get out. you got to work the land, manage the land, create and develop. A second a blessing, if you work, is that it helps you understand the world and other people and yourself better. It helps you understand the world and other people better, even yourself, because you go to work. Think about that. How many different people have you met through your work from different cultures, from different backgrounds, maybe different religions, different personalities, right? And because you've been in the workforce, your intellect has increased, your your socialization, your understanding has been benefited. You might come home and say, man, I learned something or or I had a conversation and you grew as a person. Uh, Also, third one is that it can provide friendships. Does anybody, has anybody ever met a friend? Uh, we might have some uh, acquaintances, yes, but maybe you, you made some lifelong friends. You know, someone that outside the work you, you would like to hang out with, and because of that, you made a network and it's benefited your life because you were forced, if you will, to go to, to work. Think about also the, the opportunity to influence people for Christ. Um, that you are there in the midst of them, um, and befriending people, uh, serving people, listening to people. Maybe you have a chance to have a spiritual conversation because you're in that work environment. Maybe you go out to lunch or something, or even have a chance to invite them to a church, or even uh, Faith Broke here because you go to work. A fourth benefit would be it allows you to contribute to the public good. The public good. 
I mean, hopefully your job is, is providing something for somebody that's going to help them. Let's say that you, you're making roads out there, or putting down a uh, blacktop or something. Well, I, you know, people love driving on smooth streets. That's benefiting. Maybe you're in the medical field. Maybe you're in the teaching profession. Maybe you're in the banking profession. Maybe you're, you're a mechanic. or It all helps the human race when you go to work and you are contributing and helping other people. Now, number five is probably one that I think that Christ values the most, uh, and that is that can help you maintain a positive identity and a self-worth. Do you think that's true? When we uh, go to work, work hard, and we accomplish some things, we produce some things, uh, uh, there's something satisfactory about that. Uh, there's something that we kind of are proud that we developed. Maybe it was a team. Maybe we just put through a project and someone on the other end bought a product or was benefited because our product. There's something beautiful about this and God designed this from the very beginning. We see also in the same book of Ephesians when, when Paul addressed the need to kind of work, he says, let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Man, be, do something. Uh, don't try to just be taking. Sometimes I feel sorry for the homeless population out there. Uh, you know, a lot of them are, are afflicted with mental illnesses, uh, addictions, issues like that. But, but I have a feeling that a lot of times there's just kind of this secret underlying guilt while they see everyone producing and working, they're kind of sitting around, and I just have a feeling that in their psyche, uh, they don't have to feel good about themselves, right? Uh, they're just kind of taking, right? When God designed every human being to, to give, and when we produce, uh, we have some income, and then that, that also that income says, hey, now we can bless other people. Um, maybe someone else would find them homeless or in need, and so because of we work, we now can help other people and be generous with God, to God, and to other people. So there's, there's a lot of blessings that, that work provides in our life. So here's the second thing that I'd like for you to really uh, grasp this morning. Not only is that God is, work is from God, but that work can be for God. It can be for God. Most people in America say, man, I, I don't know, it's, it's all about me. It's all about my money and how much money. I'm going to make as much money as I can and work the least I can, right? And that's kind of the goal. I'll just try to save enough and retire or just kind of uh, be lazy. But could it be that we're missing out of the beauty that God wants to do in us and through us when it comes to our occupation or our labor out there? Really what we're talking about, when you think about work is for God, it's a, it's a kind of a new mindset, a, a transformation of how we think about work, that maybe we can glorify God through our work. Maybe we can be a benefit for God as we work. I'm reminded of another scripture Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote. He says, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, there's that word deed or labor, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, people are watching us. Uh, our um, personality, our, our witness, 
going, uh, going out in the labor force? What is our disposition when it comes to our work? And I know some work can be a, a, a drudge, absolutely. But if you claim to be Christian, are you authentic? Are you sincere? Are you trying to cheat the system? Are you the one that's complaining all the time, right? Are you trying to maybe steal some things on the side, not having integrity? Maybe you don't show up. You're, you're kind of inconsistent. Your, your attitude is, is dull. I, I saw this joke the other day that said, you know, I, got, I get plenty of exercise at my work. Exercise at my work. Yeah, I'm con- constantly jumping to conclusions, pushing my way, and dodging deadlines. Yeah, how would you like to work with someone like that? Always dodging, always jumping to conclusions, right? So are you that person? Or are you trying to um, embrace Colossians 3.17? Whatever you do, whether it be word or your work, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of my favorite stories is about this flight attendant um, there was a, a, a flight going on, and, and she, she went to work, and, and, and uh, the flight got stuck on the tarmac. And, and uh, they were on the tarmac for an hour. If you've ever been there, it's kind of miserable. Everybody's stuck in there. And so this passenger uh, was watching this flight attendant. And uh, uh, for an hour, it sat there, and everybody's getting grumpy. Well, this flight attendant was just working really hard. Uh, going up and down, serving people. But she always had a smile on her face. She was always kind. She was always patient with people. But she was working hard. People were starting to get hot and sweaty in there. She was starting to perspire, but she didn't give up. Finally, the, the, the flame got going, and they got to their uh, destination. But the whole time, she's working up and down the aisles. May I help you? How can I help you? Yes, sir. Just smile and gracious and loving. So this passenger said, man, I, I need to just commend her. And so as they were um, off-boarding, uh, he pulled her aside and said, you know, I, I watched you this whole time. I was just, it's just remarkable how you just had a, a, a personality and a charm about you that just cared for people, even though they didn't care about you, even though they were just almost abusing you, how much they, they wanted from you. And so I'd like to have your contact information to your supervisor or your boss to let them know what a great job you did. So can I... Can I have the number, the contact of the person you work for? And she says, well, you, you're talking about <clears throat> the, my people I work for here on the earth? And he says, well, yeah, well, what do you mean? She says, well, I don't work for people here. I don't really even work for this airline or my boss, frankly. She says, I work for my heavenly boss. I work for Jesus Christ because my work is a reflection of him. It's my opportunity to honor him. It's my opportunity to be an ambassador for him. It's my privilege to to work for Jesus Christ. I, I think she got the essence of what Paul was trying to say. Whatever we do, in word or deed, let's reflect Christ. Work is from God and uh, for God in in our in our work. <clears throat> well, some of you might be thinking, "Hey." Um, my work is not that great. It's easy for you to say that, but my work stinks, man. I got an obnoxious boss. Uh, it's a grind. They don't treat employees fair. They don't pay us well enough. And I, I, don't, I hate my work, right? Anybody in that situation? Uh, what do we do about that? Does, does God care about that? Uh, is there any uh, teachings we can find? Well, there is a unique passage in the Bible. It's in the middle of the New Testament, in the middle of 1 Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul addresses this dilemma, if you will, where people are in situations that are, is not comfortable. 
Um, and he has some words to say to them. Now, let me give you a little uh, background about the situation. First Corinthians, so the church of Corinth, was, I would say, an immature church. Uh, the Apostle Paul started it. <clears throat> he, he moved on. Another pastor came in there. And so they're corresponding through letters. And he's getting a lot of correspondence that there's a lot of griping in this church. People are backbiting. It's dysfunctional. People are immature. They're suing each other. It's like, well, I'm Jew. That guy's Gentile. And we're not getting along. So he writes this long uh, book of the Bible called 1 Corinthians addressing a lot of the, this dysfunction going on. Well, one of the issues that they are uh, running into is that uh, part of their memberships are in slavery. Slavery. Now, you, you might think you got it rough at your occupation, right? <laughs> but their occupation was they were a full-time slave, right? Like owned by someone else. What do you do with that? And, and so uh, they're finding themselves, these, these slave people are are now coming to Christ. They're saying yes to Jesus. They're being Christ follower. They're, they're coming in the same church as the other free people, right? And so they're complaining a little bit and say, hey, what does God think of that, right? I, I got problems. I got dilemmas. And so Paul writes to the church. Paul writes even to these, these slaves and says this. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned them Just as God has called them, were you a slave when you were called? In other words, were you in that situation, that job, when you became a, a Christ follower, a, a Christian? Do not let it trouble you. Although, if you can gain your freedom, do so. If you can gain your freedom, do so. Now, he, Paul is not justifying slavery. I'm not justifying slavery but a little bit of history that slavery has been around in the human race for 18 centuries. It's only in the last couple of centuries that men and, and women address this issue. Uh, there's even still uh, uh, slave labor happening in the world today. But in, but in the ancient days, the first centuries, it was as common as growing corn. Uh, people didn't just have money and currency. Uh, they did a lot of trading, right? And, and one of the ways that you just kind of uh, dealt with things is that you became a, a debt servant. Um, your, your family or yourself uh, owed some people. Well, the laws would just say, well, you, you got to now be their slave for four or five years. Or it could be longer. There might have been a, a few people that were um, occupied or overcome by war and said, now we capture you to be our slave. But, but th there was a lot of slaves in J Jesus' days. It's just part of the world economy. And so now they're kind of like uh, uh, griping. Hey, hey, what's going on here? Well, here's what Paul's trying to say. Don't let your work affect your witness. Now, it's easier said than done, right? Don't let your work affect your witness. Paul's trying to say to these slaves, your, your identity, your self-worth is not in your title. It's not if you're a slave or not. It's in that you are a child of God. And a lot of times, we let our work environments and our circumstances define our joy, right? Uh, we're, 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 we're feeling really gloomy about ourselves because of our circumstances or our boss or how they treat us un, uh, unprofessionally, right? And, and Paul's like, man, that's not the main thing, your vocation or your circumstance. It's in your standing or your position in Christ Jesus. And you know, I remember a time in my life where, where things were not going well. There was a lot of strain and, and the, the preacher guy up there said something I'll never forget. He said, sometimes we got to get off our problems 
and on to God. We got to get off our problems and on to God. And I was guilty. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm a God follower. I'm a believer, but man, I'm really consumed with these difficult circumstances. And God needed to kick me a little bit and said, man, let's focus on the goodness of God. This is where Paul is trying to say, let's not focus on our occupation, our status in, in maybe the culture, but more on God. So he continues on. For the one who, has, who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. I love that phrase, the Lord's free person. Now, similarly, he says the one who was free when God called is Christ's slave. In other words, hey, all you people that are not legally in enslavement, hey, you still have obligations, and it's to the Lord. You were brought, bought at a high price. Do not become slaves of human beings. In other words, the, 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 the nature in us is to just uh, uh, belittle and get down and grumbling. And, and now we're consumed with our problems and our issues at work and woe is me. And, and Christ was, hey, see yourself as your identity is being free in Christ. It's a different mindset. It's a different attitude. Don't slip back into the, with all the other coworkers and they're mad at the corporation and then and, and you're just like everyone else. But man, let it go. God paid a high price on the cross that you don't have to live in murmuring and complaining, but freedom in Christ. Focus on that. The other day I was in this coffee shop and I went to go and refill my coffee and there's this young man that came walking up to do the same thing. He had this cool t-shirt because it, on the t-shirt said, live free, live free. And I was like, I love that phrase. What kind of shirt is that? You know, and it wasn't a, a spiritual shirt at all, but I said, man, that's cool. I'd like to have one of the live free. I think this is what Paul's trying to say. This is what the gospel's trying to say. This is what Jesus is trying to say, right? Live free while the world tries to bring us down in our circumstances and woe is me, but our freedom is in Christ Jesus and where you're at. Uh, you're either going to um, dwindle down to the, the, the common grumbling, complaint, or you're going to rise up and say, man, I'm a witness to God. Whether uh, I'm, I'm enslaved or I got things good, I got to be a witness for God. I'm going to live free. One of, one of the, um, um, boy, uh, one illustration I want to bring to you that really exemplifies about being a, a free person, a freed person, is an inmate that our church and myself have been traveling with for 20 years. His name is Jim, and I was introduced to Jim t uh, 20 years ago because I, before I came to Minnesota, I was in, of all places, I was in New Mexico. Well, in my church, there were some, believe it or not, some Minnesotans, okay? And uh, uh, Jim's brother was John, and I led him to Christ. He started coming to our church, and so I moved up to his hometown. And he was down there in New Mexico, and he, I was up here maybe, I don't know, six months, something like that. And he, and he, he contacted me and said, hey, Pastor Jim, you know we're from Minnesota. I got a brother in Stillwater. He's been in prison a long time. He was a bad dude, and he's contacted me. He's claiming that he's had an epiphany of, of religion, and, and Jesus is coming to his heart. Would you go see him and see if it's true? I, he just said, frankly, I don't trust the guy. He's just been a problem for our, our family and stuff. I was like, hey, for you... I go do it. And so I went over there and I went to that massive fortress. It's pretty intimidating. It's kind of scared, right? And here comes this, this guy is probably, I don't know, he's probably 53 at that time. 
or no, he's probably 50 or younger, I don't know, 20 years ago, I guess, right? And he was super polite to me. He was very humble, and he starts telling the story. He's like, yeah, man, I was a total jerk. That's why I'm in here, man. I was just selfish. I was addicted to alcohol. I had a lot of rage in me, man. And, but through the years, this has worn, worn on me. And he says, man, I, I just kind of grew up, and I was just contemplating life, and now I'm open to God, and so I was seeking God. Preacher, man, I was just trying to seek God. If you're real out there, reveal yourself to me. And, and, I, and I said, well, what, what happened? He said, man, I was walking under the tree. We only have a few trees in the, in the yard out there. I was just really seeking God. And all of a sudden, it just seems like God dropped into my life, my heart. There's the, 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 the ugliness and sin and darkness dropped away. And this peace of God swept over me. He says, I don't know, I don't know how to explain it, but I could tell I was changed. Something came into my life. I, I believe it was Jesus. I, I don't have any more hatred of people. I don't have any more uh, uh, super guilt. I'm, uh, and, I, and part of this love that's coming into my heart is I got to own my sin and my crime. And I'm uh, repentant for that. And, and I'm going to try to journey. With, and he's like, would you help me? Would you disciple me? Would you uh, partner with me? I, I hardly have any friends up here. I know, you know my brother in New Mexico. And, and would you help me? I was like, okay, well, okay. Uh, we'll see what, how this rolls. I'm not even sure if it's real, right? So every year uh, I'd go see him and he would correspond. He was always faithful. Man, I mean, through the years, this guy just started transforming. I mean, he was just so legit. He was so polite and sincere. And, and so he's like, yeah, uh, I got promoted again. I got promoted here and this and this. And they'd give him these jobs inside the, the wire that took a lot of integrity. Uh, yeah, I, I, I was like, he was the cable guy, right? There's only like three of them that could go to all the different cells because they trusted him. And, and then he'd get into dilemmas and he would pray. I prayed to God to save me and help me and not to lie and hang in there. And God came through. I mean, he just continued to grow. He became like the model prisoner so much that they transferred him over to uh, minimum security. So he's been going there for six or seven years. Some of our, our gentlemen here, people have been corresponding. And every time I send someone, hey, would you go see this criminal guy? They're like, whoa, I don't know, right? And then they come back and I'm like, wow, that guy blessed me more than I blessed him. I'm like, I know it. This guy is, is legit. He is so real. So now he's up. Uh, he, now, um, well, through this situation, we're talking about um, disincarceration. Now he's been in a long time, 25 years, and, and there's a chance maybe he might be paroled, right? And, and so I, hey, does that bother you? And he's like, yeah, it bothers me some. He says, you know, I, I, I haven't gone to the park for 30 years. I, I haven't gone fishing. I haven't gone to shopping mall. I've just been encapsulated here. But this is what he said. He says, my freedom is not dependent on my circumstances. My freedom is not dependent if I'm in this jail cell with all these other criminals. I've found freedom in Christ Jesus. My identity is not if I'm incarcerated and I'm free. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's 1 Corinthians 7. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul was trying to say. You're a freed man. It's not your circumstances. Now, he's got a bad, right? <laughs> he's been in, this, in this, this pen for a long time, and yet he's teaching me almost that the freedom is not, oh, man, it's so bad at my work. and I wish It's like my identity and my joy is going to be in Christ Jesus. Well, Lately, he's now up for parole, right? They, they, the state is looking at him, and I've been invited to a couple of parole hearings to say, hey, should we let this guy go to the next uh, minimum security? And once you get the minimum, then the next step in the next year or something, you go to 
parole, and they watch you a long time and get you back out in civilization. They're all like, hey, man, can we trust this guy? Uh, you know, what, what do you think? And so they're watching him. So last week he calls me. He says, good news. You know, I've been patient so long to look for parole. And finally, they say, hey, you can go out to minimum. And that's really a, a, a really a gateway to get out there back into society. And, and he, she says, it's remarkable how they came to that decision. He says, through the years... They've been watching me and documenting everything that I've done. And I got a file this thick, he says. It's just giant. Everyone writing notes about me and my reactions and how I operated inside the prison. My counselors, psychiatrists, the the prison guards, even my um, co-inmates with me wrote notes about me. And they brought that up in their conclusion. For instance, he says, one inmate said, yeah, Jim was the only guy that came through the lunch line with a smile on his face. That just tells this man found freedom. He found that his identity was not in his circumstance, but he found freedom in Jesus Christ. And he said to himself, you know what, whatever I am, whatever I'm doing, I'm going to glorify God. And it paid off in his life. 36 years he has been incarcerated. He is living 1 Corinthians 7. You might feel like you're incarcerated. You might be in a situation that like, man, my work really is bad. But maybe God has a message for you. Maybe God wants to do a little bit more in your life. God wants you maybe learn to live free, to get off your problems and get on to him and live free. The Apostle Paul continued to write in verse 24, brothers and sisters, each person as responsible to God should remain, remain in the situation they were in when God called them. In other words, slaves, don't be so consumed about getting out of slavery. Yes, if you can legally, legitimately get out of slavery, do so, he said. But don't let that be your all-consuming God. Could it be, my friends, that if you're in one of these situations that you're unhappy with, could it be that God might have you exactly where he wants you to be? I appreciate what Richard Halverson said, a former U.S. Senate chaplain. Listen to these words. You go nowhere by accident, he said. Wherever you go, God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in you being there. Christ lives in you and has something he wants to do through you where you are at. Believe in the power of Jesus Christ. Maybe God wants to stay right there so it's not so much about you. It could be about someone else in your company. Your coworkers, God needs you to stay maybe in that miserable situation for this another person. And friends, you never know what God is doing. Maybe he's like, stay put. Just hang in there, right? Because you don't know what God's going to do through that company in two, two months. What's going to happen to that boss in, in three months? And if you stick it out, there might be a blessing on the other side. And maybe God wants you to grow. Maybe God wants you to learn. I, I think back about um, there was one boss I had, right? He was obnoxious, egotistic, and, and it was just not fun working for him, Right? And I guess maybe I could easily just have jumped out, and eventually I jumped out of that job. 
But I needed to learn uh, to handle, you know, obnoxious people, let's say, right? I, I needed to um, um, feel kind of what other people feel. I remember another situation where, where there was a lot of criticism, right? And, and the natural is to say, oh, God, deliver me. <laughs> deliver me, right? Get me out of this job situation. But, but I learned... I learned that God had me right where he wanted me to be because he needed to teach me some things. Maybe God needs you to learn some things. Maybe God is having you to wake up to be more patient, that you're going to have to depend on him instead of just an an easy out to another occupation or another company, right? Maybe he needs you to to learn perseverance, endurance, to, to, to wait on God, to open doors and close doors. And we're just so impatient. We just want our timing in our way. Could it be that God is asking us to trust in him, to acknowledge him? I, I love what the Apostle Paul says. You know, I've learned the lesson of being content. We're going to talk about that in the next couple of weeks. Contentment. Yes, I know what it is to be well-fed. I know what it is to be hungry. I know what it is to have plenty, and I know what it is to have one, but I've learned that I can do all things through Jesus Christ, who is my strength. And that might mean i got to stay where I am, even though it feels really bad, it's not comfortable, because God has a plan. So don't let your work affect your witness. God might have you there for a purpose reason that you don't know at this time. And remember that work is from God and work can be and is for God. I'd like to show you this little video that kind of summarizes everything. It's really that the work can be so valuable to us and so God honoring that it can even be a, a time of worship and, and reflecting God. So, so check this out. Work. Most of us spend over half our lives at work. Whatever it is you fill the nine to five with, planting crops, building cars, taking care of patients, teaching students, or running a business, work is where most of life happens. For some, work is a drain. They dread Monday mornings, forcing themselves to struggle through because they need the paycheck, while many times feeling trapped and beaten down by their job. Some people love their work. They're good at what they do. It energizes them. It's a place of security, a place to chase dreams, desires, and success. At work, they find fulfillment. We often forget to connect our faith to our work. We don't consider the reasons God may have us at our job. We don't think about the purpose and meaning we could bring to our work. We simply focus on how it makes us feel. But what if we saw our work as an opportunity to worship? As Christians, we are called to serve Christ with our lives. For a few, that means working as a pastor, a youth minister, or a missionary. Others serve the church by teaching children or singing in the choir. But when Sunday is over, most of us return to our jobs outside the church. For us, our mission is in the marketplace. We may not be the kind of missionary who moves to the far regions of Africa, but around the conference table, around the water cooler, around the cubicle, we have an opportunity to worship the God who created us. He gave us skill. He gave us passion. He gave us work. When we do our jobs with excellence and integrity and diligence, it's an act of worship. We are displaying God's craftsmanship to the non-believing world around us. We are earning the right to be heard. We don't see a divide between Sunday and Monday, between the sacred and the secular. 
We've been invited into parts of the world that a pastor or traditional missionary will never see. We have conversations with people who would never set foot in a church. Whether we love or dread our work, we choose to turn the focus away from ourselves and toward the mission God has for us. Church is not the only place we worship, and Sundays are not the only days in our calendars that have meaning. Every day on Mission for God brings us great joy. Like the heroes before us, we can be modern-day Noahs and Josephs and Peters who are called with a purpose. God has designed us. He created us to work and to worship. For us, work is worship. Yes, <clears throat> an excellent summary that, that work is from God and can be for God. So in closing, here's what I've asked you to do to take a step. A, a prayer. Whatever your work situation is, it's, it's your business, but it's also God's business. And he wants us to take care of business. Up here, you're going to see the Serenity's prayer that I modified a little bit. And, and I'm going to ask you to, to pray this this week or your situation that you, you're in. You're welcome to take a picture with that with your phone. Uh, but uh, you know, mo most of you know this, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can. Um, and the, but the last line, help me to see my work as a blessing from you and a witness for you. Many of you need the power to go back to work this week, to be that witness, because it's not always super comfortable or inviting. Um, so we, we're going to just pray this together. In fact, why don't we stand together? And I invite you to say it with me out loud. In just a minute, everybody stand, right? And this would be our prayer today and this week. Ready? Here we go. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Help me to see my work as a blessing from you and a witness for you. Gracious God, we, we close this service knowing that tomorrow, for most people, they're getting back in that car, they're getting back in that desk, and they're going back to labor. God, help us to just reflect a little bit of the value. Thank you that um, someone gives us a paycheck or makes a paycheck. Uh, help us to be thankful for what we have, whatever it is. Help us to live in a, a, a level of contentment uh, with our occupation, uh, our, our situations. And God, I pray for people today that might be discouraged with their job, frustrated with their, their job, uh, maybe some of the scriptural highlights today is, 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 is to just to, to trust you, no matter their circumstances, that our main focus, God, is to glorify you, whatever we do, whatever the circumstances, and that you're going to make a way. Um, help us to be that ambassador, that reflection of you, and especially in the workplace today. We go in your name and ask these things in your name. Amen.